Hello and welcome to Radiance and Resilience. I'm Betty Parker, your host. Thank you so much for stopping in to listen to yet another episode, especially this season when we are talking all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. Today, we expand the conversation to include discrimination against the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm really excited to have my great friend, Billy Wiggins, who's gonna join us to talk about what it is to be a gay male in the South and all of the experiences he's had. I think you'll find it really intriguing and a little bit sad. We're here to try to expand the conversation and to introduce people to topics they might not otherwise have the opportunity to speak about. We're trying to demonstrate how it is much better to sit down with people outside of your own circle and to learn rather than to judge. As I've mentioned, I'm trying to change the world one conversation at a time, so I'm happy you're along this journey with me. And we're going to hear from Billy when we return after these messages. Stay tuned. Good morning, Billy. Good morning, Betty. Welcome to Radiance and Resilience. I'm glad to have you on as a guest today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So look, I mentioned to you when I invited you to be a guest that one of the things I'm working on is trying to bring the world together one conversation at a time. And we've been talking all things diversity matters this season. And so I um, I think it's important for us to expand because we, we've been talking a lot about race uh, in the past few episodes and in the, some of my YouTube stuff. And I want to kind of expand the conversation around other areas where we can easily find discrimination too. And I just want to offer as a disclaimer, this these comments yours. They're the sole comments of uh, the guests on the show, and they don't represent any employer or entity or organization, etc. So, and I also want you to speak only from your perspective and not for the entire community, <laughs> the entire LGBTQ community. But um, I know you've had your own personal experiences as a gay man in, um, shoot, in South Carolina, and I, I would assume other places as well. Help us, uh, Billy, to understand some of the unique experiences um when you are uh, gay and in well let's 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 even narrow it down to the south because i bet things here are differently are different than if i were to travel in other areas of the country yeah betty um you're right i think things definitely are different here in the south um unfortunately recent events and as i've listened to your other podcast i know we've been talking about race and of course racism is definitely um something that impacts the LGBTQ community as well. Um, for example, um, black trans individuals are um, being murdered and have been mm-hmm. murdered at rates that are disproportionate to the rest of society and seem to get very little attention. Um, and so that's definitely a, a intersection there between race and, and what happens uh on top of the discrimination that the LGBTQ plus community faces, you know, I would say uh, a few years ago, uh, things probably were much different in certain parts of the U S versus how they are here in the South for uh, folks uh, in our community. And to a certain extent, I'm sure they still are. However, there seems to have been a social permission given recently to be more openly hostile towards non-dominant groups. And so um, while I think other parts of the country are, are facing 
um, people being more brazen in their discrimination, that unfortunately has kind of been a constant here in the South. And so, yes, I was born and raised here in the South, um, you know, and, and from early on as a kid, you it was clear that uh, it wasn't accepted. It wasn't acceptable. Uh, it was seen as something that was very wrong. It was seen as a weakness, um, especially among men. And I have clear memories as a child being terrified that, you know, I was wrong, that there was something broken in me. Um, And of course, that has lifelong effects that even though I'm a middle aged man today, those beliefs and thoughts are still there and require a lot of self work to to address and to, to try to overcome. Yeah, it's like living under this shroud and constantly having to, I don't know, prove yourself to be acceptable to other human beings, you know? So when I I listened to, you made so many great points in there um, around, you know, how it impacts you from the time you're a child and how things people say and do to you uh, really resonate throughout your life. And I don't think people realize that from all aspects, I believe um, any, any identifying factor in a person's life don't find uh, uh, acceptable they say and do things and don't realize the um, ramifications for the person who's experiencing it. And I guess that can be true for a lot of things Um, in the South here too. You know, this tends to be, or yeah, I guess you can say most of the South tends to be conservative in a lot of ways. And it's interesting to watch the news and see certain strides being made in the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQIA plus all of those letters <laughs> right. community, but it seems to change so, uh, so frequently. But it, it's what's interesting to me is how it seems like these strides will get made in order for uh, there to be, um, you know, certain, um, I don't know, just certain rights given. And then at the same time, it seems like, well, let me just say that it seems like, it seems like as soon as you take one step forward, there's two steps backwards. So you win these certain things in the courts and then all of a sudden there's something else that occurs that detracts from that. Talk to me a little bit how, what that feels like uh, when you're ready to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, we finally got a win. And then all of a sudden something gets walked back. Yeah, you know, Betty, I, um, as you know, I am a nurse and um, I work in a, a leadership role in nursing and you know, I've worked really hard in my career, but up until just a few weeks ago when the Supreme Court ruling came out uh, in our state, it was still technically legal to fire me simply because of my orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think, no, I, I know if that's not something that is a part of your reality, you can relate to it. Uh, if you've never had to have the Supreme Court make a ruling on your rights, uh, just to work and live and exist, um, then that's privilege. And so, you know, we get a a vote like that, for example, Uh, but then you turn around and you look at what's happening with um, trans uh, members of our community not being able to serve in the military. Uh, And you look at all these other restrictions, you know, we still, uh, as an openly gay man in a long-term relationship um, who is sexually active, I cannot donate blood um, to the Red Cross if I've mm. had um, intercourse in the last year. So, I mean, that's just a perfect example to me 
um, of something that I don't think people consider if it's not in their world. So, yes, there are victories and they're hard won victories, but it's 2020 and we're just finally saying, okay, well, you can work and we can't fire you. Right. It's a whole nother level that people don't really consider. And, And, you know, it's very interesting because folks who themselves are in groups that are being um, discriminated against will then in turn turn around and discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community. Right. And so I I don't know what it is about us, except it's our system, Betty. And I know you and I have spoken many times about that. You know, Mm -hmm. we're programmed from the get-go by this system that tells us this is what boys do this is what girls do this is what a family looks like this is what a you know this should look like and a, that should look like we're so programmed even down to gender this is what a man should wear this is what a woman should wear um you know we're programmed into that and so without even realizing it if we don't work against it just like racism if we don't actively work against it then we feed into the system and um It takes all of us and it takes that self-awareness and just stopping long enough to have a conversation with yourself to say, what are my thoughts about this? How am I helping or how am I contributing to the prejudice and the discrimination that is happening um, with folks that are different than myself? Absolutely. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't do well enough um, or at all. I mean, they just have their their thoughts, their beliefs about a particular thing. And that's what rules it, without much consideration from the other side. And so it's it's interesting to me how, you know, one of the things you mentioned was just one group that seems to be oppressed that tends to discriminate against the other group, another group, right? When I would mm-hmm. think that if you've had that experience and you know how painful it could be, how in the world can you stand on the other side and then oppress another people? So um, I think that's where the introspection needs to come in. And and people, okay, I know this is a really hard and challenging conversation or even um, just thought process for some people to even bring it out loud and talk talk through it for some. Um, Because, of course, the big thing that's intertwined, and if you're in the Deep South, is uh, religion and sexuality, right? right? And so everybody falls into camp. And I, I get it. So for me, to those people, Um, who can't accept homosexuality or any other aspect of um, a person's sexual, you know, people's sexual orientation and all those things in the LGBTQ community. Fine. You don't have to accept it. But what I find interesting is then um, how how did they dissipate? I I would help hope that they would try to consider the the hate that comes along with that, though, because for me, I don't know. I mean, I know people hate other people according to race, but I see a different kind of hatred that comes across. Uh, to people in the LGBTQ community. And like you say, there are Black trans women that are getting murdered. I don't even hear their stories that much. The only time I get to hear about it is if it's coming from somebody else from that community. Um, But we just kind of overlook that. And these are people who are losing their lives simply because other people don't feel like they deserve to be here. And that's what bothers me about the whole thing. Betty, you you make a really good point about how faith impacts that. And so... Yes, you're certainly right. Um, People look at uh, the Bible and they look at their beliefs if they're Christian or, you know, beyond the Christian community, other faiths, the same. It's illegal in a lot of countries to to this day to be uh, LGBTQ plus. Uh, 
Um, and those countries could be Christian or, or Muslim or, or many other religions. And so people look at that and it's almost as if somehow that gives folks the permission. Um, I myself am openly Christian also, uh, and very <laughs> openly Christian. <laughs> that's right. And very thankful for my faith. But you know, that was a struggle, Betty. I grew up in the church and, um, I had to find my own, uh, relationship with, uh, with Christ in the midst of being told that it was wrong. And that was really hard. And, you know, I had a clear moment and, you know, to this day, I have folks that, you know, are, part of my family that I grew up with. Thankfully, no immediate members. My family is awesome and supportive and I love them dearly. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have that. Many people don't. Right. But um, I have people today who don't really look at me the same or really interact with me anymore um, when they found out simply that I was a gay man. And so, but Betty, I walked around a long time and I remember getting to a point where I disliked myself so much in my early 20s that whenever I would go into the bathroom, I would avoid the mirror. So mm. it, it was during the day and there was enough light coming in from the window. I would not turn the lights on. I just honestly avoided seeing myself. And then one day in my spirit, it was just crystal clear to me. The verse came blazing through that said, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can't love you, then you can't love anybody. And in that moment, my life changed literally. And I said, okay, God, I got to start loving me. What needs to be changed, I'm trusting you to change. But I got to love me where I am and for who I am. That's a really hard journey. And so when people feel justified and they use scriptures, and you know, at gay pride festivals, we now look for the protesters, right? It's just become a part of the festival. Like, look for the protesters and what signs are they holding up this year and those kind mm. of things. Um, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago, Betty, that folks were using the Bible to protest interracial relationships. Um, oh. and, and so people love to take what they believe gives them the moral authority and use that against folks. You know, my Angelou said when asked how she could reconcile her support for the community that she didn't make people. Uh, and so <laughs> she said, but then who am I to judge them? And, and that she didn't think that, you know, God made any junk. And so if you can't accept who somebody is, we're not, people aren't asking, at least I wasn't asking you to approve or join the community or any of those things. People simply want the right to exist and to live and to be able to do that in peace. Absolutely. So you said a few things in there that I thought were really, it's some real good gems. When you're talking about openly Christian, you know, there are some places in this world, you can't go and be an open Christian. Right. You will get persecuted for being a Christian, you know, so you got to also, I guess I would implore people who are Christians to think about that too, where they would be persecuted, maybe even executed for being a Christian. Um, the other thing that you said was about the, you know, this feeling of not being able to see yourself or look at yourself in the mirror. So other people's hate can promote self-hate. If you hear oh, and listen enough to the ugliness that people can say to you about yourself, and it's all judgment, just like what you said. Um, it can really push a person. And so I look at um, uh, one of the movements I saw in the LGBTQ community was helping young people who um, suffer from, you know, all of this, I guess, this um, this rejection of themselves because they I mean, there are a lot, there's a high rate of suicide 
among teen yeah and so that I, I just it just concerns me so much that so much of this can end in death either, either through somebody abusing another person and hurting them physically maybe even murdering them um, or a person taking their own lives simply because of all the hate that seems to be spewed toward the LGBTQ community. That's what makes it so dangerous to me. And so when we come back from our break, uh, Billy, I'd like you to talk to us a little bit about just help people to understand what they might be missing. Um, because I think a lot of stuff is what we believe and nobody's really engaging anybody uh, who might be from the LGBTQ community and they're just making assessments you know, on their own judgment. So when we come back, We'll hear more from Billy Wiggins. Everyone wants to go to work in an environment where they feel respected and accepted for the great work they do. Unfortunately, there are environments where minorities feel discriminated against and treated unfairly, even as they are underrepresented in their workplaces. They face microaggressions and bias from bosses and coworkers. For those who carry these actions out unconsciously, they often offend without realizing it. Part of great leadership is creating a workplace where everyone feels appreciated and accepted. But it takes work and education around diversity, equity, and inclusion matters to get there. All companies could benefit from development in these areas, and taking the time to invest in your employees' growth in diversity matters is a great way to do business. At Sharper Development Solutions, we're happy to help you make your organization a place of high productivity and fairness, and an all-around great place to work. Call us today at 803-622-4511 to set up a consult. All right, we're back with Billy Wiggins and we're having a wonderful conversation around what it is to be gay in America and be in the whole LGBTQ uh, community. And I was telling Billy during the break that it's a mouthful to say all of the letters, but I don't want to just single out one particular group, even though Billy's only speaking for himself. He's not speaking for the entire community, but um, I don't want to leave anybody out. So it's a mouthful, Billy. Um, Help us even understand that for, I know this might be real basic to you, but you know, help people to understand why, what, what, what are all these letters about? Who are we including uh, in all of that? Yeah, so I do think that, you know, it is a lot to say, um, which if you listen, I tend to just say LGBTQ plus, and it's not to down um, play the uh, I or A, I the A, the A, the <laughs> yeah. intersex, you know, parts of our community. <laughs> so it is a lot. And I'll be honest, there are people in our community who have no clue about the initials right you know they they kind of have an idea but you know um my partner will come to me and say certain things he's like you know well, what does pansexual mean again you know they're not represented in the letters even but what's pansexuality and you know mm -hmm. so there is a lot and it is constantly changing you know right now there's a lot of controversy that's happening um like uh, J.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Harry Potter series, is getting a lot of attention at the moment because she has made comments about uh, trans women and thoughts along the lines that, you know, saying that, you know, trans women take away what it means to, to be the struggles as a woman, what she had to do to go through being a woman. And it's interesting because what's happening is people are looking at folks that are wanting their share of existence right and so they want to attack the other people and not the system that's creating the problem mm -hmm. and so it's like 
you know, someone was quoted as saying, we're fighting over crumbs, but we're not considering why we don't have our fair share of the cake. Oh, and I think that's so true. Why, you know, do we want to fight against each other? But yes, there's a lot of initials. There's, you know, it's a lot, uh, a lot's changing. And the interesting thing about being a part of the LGBTQ community is, uh, plus community is, it's something that may not be noticeably apparent about you at first. So if someone's gender nonconforming or gender um, fluid, or they dress in a way that's gender nonconforming, meaning a man. Uh, or someone who identifies as a male who may wear clothing that is, you know, culturally seen as clothing that women would wear. You know, those things may be apparent when you see them at catch your attention. But a lot of folks, of course, you don't see that. So when people see me at first glance, you know, they just see a white male. Mm-hmm. Um, so unlike race, which is apparent for the most part, um, not always, um, but Unlike that, we have to come out not just once in our lives, but multiple times. Yeah. So, you know, there's conversations at work. Somebody will mention something, you know, they're just sitting around having a conversation. They don't know you very well. And, you know, they'll see that you're wearing a, a ring and they'll say, oh, well, what about your wife or what about? And so in all these moments, you have to decide, do I come out again to these mm-hmm. people? Is this a place where I feel comfortable and confident? And so you know, there is a lot of a aspects and parts to it but you know just do basic research if you you know google if you want to find out more you know if you have a friend or somebody that you know that you think you could approach and and have a conversation with do that and you know be more inclusive in your circle i think those things are really important absolutely or on the outside looking in Absolutely. And so that's what this whole thing is about, how to have those conversations. The last few uh, couple of episodes was about how to talk about race. But this one, you know, the same rules apply, though. Open up, like you say, your circle, expand the people uh, you normally hang out with and try to find somebody who you can have an open and honest conversation with, because it's about educating yourself. And once I believe people get to sit down and ask the questions and learn a little bit more, once you remove certain ignorances about things uh, you don't know, then I think people are more accepting. You become more human to them and not just this group that's painted with all of the hatred that we hear uh, so often. So, and, and I think we're doing a good, I, I, to me, I mean, maybe I might be a little biased, but I think we're doing um, a pretty good demonstration of what that looks like. I can ask you things just as simple as I did just now, you know, explain to me what the whole LGBTQ um, thing is, you know, you just tell me. And um, in other areas, I just think people just come with a healthy curiosity as opposed to a judgment. I think that's the the issue. People are so quick to judge and they're so you know, quick to figure out what's wrong with you or how you don't line up with what their views are, that they tend to immediately reject a person on their face versus trying to understand a little bit better. And for those who are in those other um, protected classes, I guess, those others who are who feel dis- disenfranchised and marginalized and uh, discriminated against, I would expect that because they have gone through it, that they would uh, be a little bit more accommodating for other groups. But like you said, that's not always the case, unfortunately. Um, Here's another question I have for you. I'm trying to think of things that people might ask um, who maybe are afraid to ask or they don't have anybody in their lives that would help them to understand it. What is, um, what's the biggest challenge you have as a gay man in America? Well, I think it comes down to, um, you know, we're, 
it's, it revolves around what we've mentioned earlier. I, to me, the first thing that pops in my mind, the biggest challenge is being authentic to myself. Um, we are asked basically to downplay who we are um, because of the comfort of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's a horrible burden to put on someone. Um, yeah. I mean, a simple thing like, you know, I've been with my partner for 15 years, um, but we dare not hold hands when we go out. Now, there are younger folks, um, and I'm not old. <clears throat> but, <laughs> You're you know, not. I'm way older than you. <laughs> but, you know, there are younger folks who are, are, who are, who are pushing the boundaries here uh, in the South. And, you know, you'll see them at times hold hands and those kind of things. And, you know, we were just we grew up in a time where it was so clear that that wasn't acceptable. You know, we remember Matthew Shepard very clearly brutally beaten and left and, you know, hate crimes are still happening. So I think that's the biggest challenge is being able to be true to who you are in this country that expects you to follow these rules. Um, And there's a lot that goes into that, Betty, you know, like, I encourage people to really start digging. I mean, yes, there are some folks who just need to look at the surface and and just start very basic, but there are other folks who are ready to take a bigger dive and, you know, look into the history of eugenics, um, not just uh, around the world and, but here in our country and eugenics really is a system that said, you know, there are certain characteristics and people that we believe are superior and will help make our country superior. And we want to play into that. So it fed into what was seen as right, what was seen as normal, how people should look, how people should behave, you know, those kind of things. And so being able to be yourself when the world tells you you should be something else is a huge challenge. And I absolutely celebrate all the folks who do it fearlessly because I can be honest and say I don't have that courage. Um, I I have friends that are are drag um, queens and I have, you know, friends that, love rhinestones on everything they wear you know, <laughs> and they represent as male. And, um, and I just think, gosh, to me, it's, it seems so brave to be who you are. Uh, and, you know, they may be terrified inside, but they still do that. And so to me, that is the biggest challenge is being able to be who you are in a, in a world that says who you are is wrong. Wow. I think you just described that so uh, beautifully because you're absolutely right. It's just this having to hide all the time, right? Can you, I'm, well, not can you imagine, you do know, <laughs> just feeling like you have to hide yourself all the time. And so I imagine when you can be in your own circle, it must be freeing to just kind of breathe and not feel like you're going to be judged and you can be who you are, but then you go out into the quote world and all of a sudden you got to put on this mask again, cloak yourself behind what other people think you should be. And then you just got to struggle through that uh, on a day basis. I want to back up a little bit too, because we were talking about, I don't even think people really realized how big um, the Title VII uh, change was when you're talking about not being fired. You know, you were talking about, you know, just being able to move about and have your being. To go into a job and to try to do your job with all the qualifications you may have, you might be excellent at the work you do. But before um, this change, you, if somebody found out that you were gay, oh, oh my, they had, they could fire you and not face any, um, any kind of penalties for that, right? Yeah, so legally they could, you know, most um, large corporations, at least, and entities knew that they would likely face a civil suit if they tried to do that. Um, But certainly um, smaller businesses, 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, and what would often happen is it just gets covered as something else, right? You right. Know, there's another reason why we're going to fight. And it's, again, here's that crossover, uh, similar things with race. There's the thing, you know, certain names on applications are way more likely to get an interview than other names, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that same kind of thing, Betty. Um, I think the what's important for people to understand is that, yes, though that ruling is there, like we just said, it's still a place where the comfort of the majority tends to be the main concern. And that tends to be the pushback. Years ago, uh, I had an employee that I had to terminate. And there were clear reasons why the employee needed to be terminated. And um, personnel, of course, were involved and approved of that. When the termination went through, uh, personnel came back to me and said, um, there's been a formal complaint filed against you. And I said, okay. Mm. And they said that the formal complaint was that I made the individual feel uncomfortable talking about my lifestyle in front of them. And so oh. I knew there was no truth to that because I had been so programmed to leave that part of my life out. And again, you know, to some people, they, they may not care, but to the people that are there on the edge of trying to really understand and relate, Imagine listening to everyone openly discuss their family all the time and knowing mm. that you don't have that luxury and you have to pick and choose. Imagine somebody sharing with you, oh, um, these are all true examples. I'm not making this up. We just right. spent the wonderful weekend at this Airbnb. You all should go sometime and having to follow up with saying, well, do they rent to openly gay couples? Right. I mean, so it's a whole, we don't all live in the same United States, uh, Betty. And um, mm -hmm. that's not trying to slam people who have privilege. That's just saying there is privilege. Um, and just be aware of what that means and how do you use that? So, yes, uh, we could have been fired and now technically, no, we can't. But that's really just this really broad stroke. And now what it really is saying is, well, now it's time for all the real work to start. How do we then step forward from saying, well, you can't be fired to saying, you know what? We recognize the skill set that you bring. We recognize the value in your diversity. And mm -hmm. we not only um, accept that, we want to celebrate it. And we know that we will benefit from that. So bring that to us, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? So now you brought the word up a few times. I've been hearing people and seeing people um, mostly around race talk about there is no such thing as, as well. We're talking about when you're talking about race is white privilege. Can you um, help people? I, yeah, I think you've actually described it already in the previous um, statement that you made, but there are people who deny the fact that there are some folks who get certain advantages over others just because of how they look. Now, you're a white male, but you face discrimination in other ways because of your uh, sexual orientation. However, like you said, everybody upon meeting you for the first time may not even know that. So you could probably, quote, get away with <laughs> some things that, say, a person of uh, my color could not get away with. You know what I'm saying? So what do you say to people who feels like there is no such thing as uh, white privilege or any other kind of privilege for folks that we're, you know, it's about, here's what they fall back on. It's about working hard. If you, you know, work hard, you can pull yourself up from the bootstraps and get where you need to go. And for those of us who know better, uh, can you kind of expound on that a little bit better? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to say um, without any hesitation, I know that I have white privilege. 
I am a, a gay man, and of course I do face discrimination for that, but there's no doubt that I have white privilege, and it is my responsibility to use that privilege to help try to make a change. Uh, and so, you know, and, and the way I know I have white privilege is it's certain things, like my interactions with um, police. And I'm not saying all police officers are bad. I'm not, none of that. But right. what I'm saying is um, I, my partner, however, is not a white male. So um, that adds a layer of complexity, of course, to our lives, because not only are we openly gay, but we're in a, in a racial relationship. Right. Um, and so, uh, we, you know, his interaction and his fear are, are totally different. And so, um, yeah, I think, Betty, privilege and the reason it's hard for people to talk about privilege is because it seems they feel like they're being attacked as soon as you say that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I don't have privilege, you know. I, I grew up without a lot of money, and I've heard people say, you right. know, well, I had to, like you just said, I had to work so hard for everything I got. Nobody gave me anything. Um, but the the fact is, the system is set up to help you, um, and if and systemic racism is a huge thing, uh, and it can be very difficult to understand, but. If you just do some basic looking into it, you realize housing, education, um, the disproportionate rates of incarceration for people of color. Privilege definitely exists. White privilege definitely exists. And so what I would say to folks is no one's attacking you. Well, at least I'm not attacking you when we have these conversations. Um, And I think if we want to make a change, the first thing we have to be able to do is to kind of breathe and say, okay, this is going to be a tough conversation because when people see me, they see a white, you know, male, or they see a a straight person, or they see a whatever you may be uh, presenting as. And when they engage in a conversation with you, you have to be able to have that conversation and try to compartmentalize what you're hearing and not take it personally. Mm -hmm. And that could be super, super difficult to do. And not everybody's ready to have that conversation. Um, So you can start with small things. Just notice the way people are treated. Notice the interactions that happen. Start looking for examples of privilege because it does exist and and it is there. And if we deny that, uh, then all we're doing is postponing the work that has to be done because we first have to be able to be honest. um, Mm -hmm. And honestly with ourselves, is where we really have to start. And, uh, you know, Betty, I think that's harder sometimes than being honest with other people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's what I'm appreciating as you were talking. I was just thinking, I really like this conversation because it's so real, (laughs) because it is so honest. It is so open. And so, and that's what I think to, you know, what you're saying, it's about having, being honest with yourself first and understanding why you think about things the way you think about them and how you think about it. We got to do that self-work first. You're absolutely right because it's so easy to project on other people and to judge them without looking at ourselves. And, you know, when 
I, I think they'd be real surprised if they were honest about themselves, what they would see. And I would, I would think it would humble a few people. I don't know. It's if you're going to have the real conversation, like you're saying, because people can still talk to themselves and puff themselves up. Right. But right. The, the, the real deal is like, if I look at myself and how I think and how I might be being unfair to someone else, or if I'm sitting in judgment of other people and it's not based on anything other than my own personal likes and dislikes, um, I, I think it would cause them or should cause them to rethink how they think. Um, I appreciate you, Billy, for coming in. I, we're already out of time. I'm going to have to call you back and, and we're going to have to have another one of these conversations so we can get uh, beyond the basics. But I think this is at least a good starter for people who don't have these kinds of conversations. Like you say, so much about people's sexual orientation and gender identity is hidden. Um, and it's you all have to hit, hide it because of other people like us who won't accept it. And so today would, I'm hoping is one of those days that helps to break that down a little bit more and soften people up a little bit so they can be a little, little more accepting. So I appreciate you for your candor and your frankness in this conversation and for taking time out of your busy day to be a guest here on Radiance and Resilience. Absolutely, Betty. And I would just finish with saying that at the core of it all, we're all just human. And as different as we may be, where folks who want to live and laugh and love and all the other things that um, you want to do. And if you're struggling, just get down to that, that this is a human, this is a person. And let me focus on what we have um, that is similar to each other and not what is different. Beautifully said. Thank you, Billy Wiggins. Thank you, Betty, so much. All right. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Leadership, teamwork, conflict management, self-awareness. Mastering skills in these areas are how we at Sharper Development Solutions help leaders and employees perform better at work. Through classroom instruction, group and individual coaching, and tools like Everything Disc Styles Assessments, we develop leaders, teams, and relationships through greater self-awareness and accountability. Call us at 803-622-4511 to schedule an appointment and learn more about how we can help you and your organization excel.